you don't have to do everything overnight. I think particularly in the world that this generation is growing up in, in schools, they get everything like that because mm. technology is there. If they want to know an answer, they just Google it. Yeah. They don't have to you don't have to work for it. It's well, everything's instant. Yeah, it? instant gratification every mm. time. So the slot edge method is about um, if you've got a goal, if you don't achieve it the first time, mm. well, it doesn't matter. Keep persevering and, and you'll eventually be able to get there. Yeah. And I always say, well, we all can't be LeBron James, the best basketball player in the world. But if you do have a realistic goal that you want to get after, there's mm. no reason why you can't do it yeah. if you put in the effort. Mm. But it's going to take time. This is Reignited, where together we will meet interesting people who have a curious message for the world. They'll tell us about their experiences so that we can all reignite our lives. Today's episode is all about gratefulness and I'm very, very excited to have Ash Manuel from Growing With Gratitude here to share some tips, some experiences all about why gratitude is so, so important. So welcome, Ash. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Um, well, I've got you to choose some, choose some symbols yep. to introduce yourself. So what have you chosen and why? So I've chosen, well, the blue one is uh, a glass half full. Mm-hmm. So I think it's always good to see things from a positive point of view. So that's the main reason why I chose that. I think there's so much negativity in the world and it's also oh, it's very important, I think, to particularly this time that we're in is to look at the positive. So I always try to do that. Yeah, and I guess that's sort of isn't in alignment with what you do as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think teaching young people those skills as well to focus on the good things because as we know, our, we're wired to focus on, or sorry, our, our brains, we're born to focus on negative things. It's the way we're wired, but we can train our brains to focus on the good things. So yep. that's so the reason for that one. Glass half full. Glass mm-hmm. half full. Yeah. A great, this green one is, I, I see that as a will. Yeah. <laughs> Some might see it as an orange yeah. slice, but that's a will. Yep. So what does the will represent so to you? The will represents to me is that I think we need to keep, oh, it, life keeps moving forward and we need to adapt as we go. So whether that's in a business sense, a personal life, our, our own journeys, I think it's always on the move and we need to adapt as we go. Yeah. So that's what that means for me, could and, mean different yeah, things. Sometimes that road might not be as straight as we want it to be. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Exactly right. Yeah. Lots of turns. Yeah. And finally, um, a tennis racket. Now, I'm not much of a tennis player, but more <laughs> representing physical activity. So. For me, I think that's one of the most important, particularly for our physical health, but our mental health as well. Mm. For me, I find that is my, I don't know if it's the right term, but my medicine. So if I'm having a bad day, Mm. I always turn to intense exercise to help myself feel better because I know that works for me. So physical activities are a real key part of uh, my my life. And it is proven that it's a huge part of people's mental health um, strategies as well. So you talk about gratitude and run programs and help facilitate people to be grateful. So how did this all start? Yeah, so it was a bit of a, it's oh, sitting here today, it was certainly not where I thought I'd be talking about this uh, 15 years ago, or mm. even probably not even that long, but it came, I, I came across positive psychology in about 2010. I was actually looking to property investing. So at the time I was a primary school teacher, um, teaching physical education at a manual primary school. Yeah. And I was looking, I guess I started to make money as as a as a as a as an adult after going through university and <laughs> getting living this student life, yeah. <laughs> and then started to I guess save and save, and so I thought, well, what about probably investing mm. as a way to invest? So I started to look into that. But what I discovered wasn't what I expected at all. And what I did discover though was these successful property investors, um, and this wasn't one; it was a few talking about this thing about how 
gratitude led to their happiness, then happiness led to their success. Mm. But I didn't get how they all connected. So how does gratitude lead to happiness and how does happiness lead to success? I didn't, yeah. didn't get it. Because it's amazing, isn't it, when you think about really successful people from a financial property investment mm. perspective, there's lots of things that add up to that. So you discovered that there was this thing called gratefulness. Yeah. I've yeah. always heard of it, yeah. but I didn't know what how it connected to, or, as I said, success and happiness. So mm. I was really interested in it. So I actually started to look, look into that as well. Like, I thought, well, what, what does this actually mean? And discover there was a whole science behind it. Okay. So I started to look into or read books from people like Martin Seligman, who's one of the founders of Positive Psychology. Yep. Another a guy called Sean Acor, who wrote a book called The How of Happiness. Yeah. Um, he's a Harvard psychologist. Uh, Barbara Fredrickson wrote a book called Positivity. And I just realised that just like learning a skill in a sport, you can learn to be a more happier and grateful and resilient person. And what leads to that is being grateful. So not just knowing what it is, but actually doing it. Mm-hmm. So I started to follow uh, a few ideas about how to practice not only being grateful, but actually being kind, being empathetic, reflecting on the good things that happen and serving others. So doing yeah. things for other people without expecting mm-hmm. anything in return and practice those five things. Now, they weren't hours and hours a day. It was just these short little I guess, snippets of practice across a day, but over time had a really positive impact. Yeah, so it's like that you're just sort of training yourself or each little bit has an impact long term. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think... Um, in society, we want things straight away. Mm-hmm. But what I what I did get when I came across um, the the research is that it's it's over time. It doesn't have to be done overnight. But if you just work on these skills over time, they can have a really positive impact. And for me, particularly coming from a place of being grateful, if I was having a bad day because I had been practicing, mm. I was able to use my reframing skills, my self talk, to see things from a more positive point of view, a lot better than I had in the past. So it helped me also move forward from. I guess, challenges as well. Yeah. So what did you notice in that initial period when you were doing these things every day? Like, did you, what did you notice about who you were and what was happening in your life? Yeah, I think for me, that's a really good question, actually, because I think, I think we took it, take a lot of things for granted. And I think it just started to open my eyes up to be grateful for those little things. It might be a bit cliche, cliche now, mm. but unless you actually do practice it, you might not see those things that otherwise you might what am I trying to say? You, you might not see, <laughs> but but through practicing, I was able to notice them. Mm. Even just like having a bed to sleep in and things like that, something that we've always had, but just taking it for granted. Mm. So I um I refer to it, or personally I refer to it as lowering the, lowering the bar. Yeah. So really lowering the bar for those things that we can be grateful for, mm. rather than not so much the big things, which obviously we can be grateful for as well, but just those smaller little things. That mm. That's what really had the positive impact for me initially. Yeah. And what did you notice about, you know, at that time you were teaching, mm. you know, were you better in the classroom? Like, what was the sort of ripple effect that happened for you? Well, for straight away, it was when I came across it and mm. practiced it, my initial reaction was, I wish I learned this when I was younger. I was, again, using those reframing skills. So if I did have a bad day, um, which wasn't very often at school, I was really lucky. But if mm. I did, I was able to see it from a more positive point of view and reframe it and say, look, today's just been one of those days. But I'm actually still really grateful that I've got a great school to teach at. I'm actually got a home to go home to now. Mm. If I actually think about it and put it in perspective, it's not actually that bad. Yeah. So it is reframing a yeah, perspective. Constantly. Absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what helped me massively. Yeah. To just have, I guess, form better relationships as well with with your colleagues, mm. um, because we are like have this opportunity to teach this amazing school and have an impact on people's lives, and just having the being grateful for that opportunity for a start. So I think yeah, it, it did it did help me realise practicing being grateful. For, for a couple of things is that particularly around the, the opportunities that we have 
lot of the opportunity to be a teacher and impact lives. Like mm. being grateful for that, being also grateful for the people in our lives, like in terms of at work, colleagues, in personal life, our family, our friends, mm. being grateful for them. And also the things, like the things such as like having a bed to sleep in, having food to eat, those mm. kind of things as well. So the opportunities, the people in our lives and the things we can be grateful for, they're the things that really stood out for me. Yeah, and it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think sometimes we just get so busy in life, and I don't like the word busy, but no, no, it's no, true. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we have chaos in chaos and busy yeah. in busyness and, and things like that. But what does it? What does gratefulness and gratitude do for us when we're in that state of, yeah. of being completely, you know, just hammering through everything? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good question. I think in, for, for me, like you hear that word a lot, busy, Mm. And yes, I guess, and I, as you said, I, I, you don't like the word. I don't like the word either. So I, I was trying to I say, well, I, heard, I can't remember where I heard it, but somebody said instead, instead of saying busy, say productive. Yeah, I like so, the word full. I say, yeah, I'm, oh, being, yeah. I'm very full. Yeah, full. That's, that's a good way to put it as well. So <laughs> yeah. I think, um, yeah, because I think that's just the general uh, cliche term, we're busy, but no, you're not. <laughs> and it's almost like a badge of honour as <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, which is that's exactly something right. that I have an issue 100%. with. 100%. Yeah. It's a badge yeah. of honour. You're, you're, you're right. Mm. But for me, if I'm going through that, Full time, <laughs> productive time is a lot on. Mm. It, it's it's just oh, be grateful for that, like being grateful for those opportunities that do come up. Because we, if we if we life's full, we got all these different things happening. Then obviously there's a lot to be grateful for for these opportunities that are coming up. So it's just a matter of I think taking some time just to reflect on to be grateful for these opportunities. It mm. might be busy, or it might be full or productive, <laughs> whatever it might be. Yeah, but. If we just stop and think about, okay, well, these op- opportunities that come up, they might be all coming up at once, but I'm actually really grateful for this. Mm. Yes, it is overwhelming, but okay, let's just take one step at a time and then work towards um, getting through each of, each of the things, but just be grateful for the opportunities, I think. That's a really good yeah. place to start. Yeah, definitely. So you were a primary school teacher and now you have an organisation called Growing With Gratitude. What was the transition like? Like how, what, what did that look like? Yeah, that's a good question. So it was, as I said, I came across positive psychology in 2010. and had a really solid practice and, and still do today. And it came to about 2013 and a manual primary school, uh, we were looking into a wellbeing program. Mm-hmm. And because we we're quite early adopters in this space um, in school, but we weren't really sure how to do it. Mm-hmm. And we employed a, a wellbeing coordinator to try to set up a program. Now, it came to the end of 2013 and nothing had really stuck. Um, so... Every now and then we'd get an article sent out to us to sit with something or other and maybe a couple of posters put up, but mm. it wasn't really full program across the yeah. whole school. And, and the, the lady who came and did it admitted herself she wasn't sure what she was doing. She was finding her way herself. Mm. And well-being is one of those things that needs to come from different angles and a constant sort of Oh, absolutely. Practice, I guess. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And yeah. so it came to January of 2014. It was a school holidays. I clearly remember this like it was yesterday. So mm. I was walking along the corner of Cliff Street and Diagonal Road at Glenelg East. exactly where you were. <laughs> right, right near the an IGA there. I just actually yeah. lived on Cliff Street at the time. Yeah. And I just stopped and thought to myself, I had one of those moments, the aha moments. Mm. And I just said to myself, what if I combine what I know as a teacher with what I've learned for my own benefit in this positive education slash wellbeing space? Yeah. So I thought to myself, well, our school's looking for something. And I'm sure that other schools are looking for something as well. I wish I learned these skills as a kid. Mm. everything just aligned in that moment. And I've had aha moments before, but this was different. 
Yeah. So I quickly rushed home, <laughs> got on the computer. Right at IGA, hey? Yeah, yeah just right yeah, at the front there. Quickly ran home and just started like searching a bit more, or looking into a bit more about what this wellbeing thing's about, mm. uh, searching ideas, writing lesson ideas. And so that day in January of 2014 was the start of a side project. Mm-hmm. So Growing With Gratitude um, was a side project for all of 2014 and all of 2015. Mm-hmm. And at the start of 2016, I left teaching to do it full time. So yep. I think the key to the transition was I worked on it every day. I didn't have a day off all of 2014 and 15 mm-hmm. because I was teaching full time. I wasn't doing hours and hours a day, but I just got into a new routine. So it was mm-hmm. a passion project at the start and it still yeah. is. Well, even when you, <coughs> you sort of said, you know, the aha moment, you can yeah. just see it. Yeah, know, it, it was one of those moments. Feel, and, I think it was, yeah, it was just that feeling. Mm. So I just started to get up earlier. I'd go to Jetty Road, mm-hmm. a cafe there, open about 6.30 in the morning. So I'd just sit in there for an hour, mm-hmm. do some, or an hour, an hour and a half, do some work, then go to school. That was just the routine. I'd do it a little bit on the weekends. It wasn't hours and hours. It mm. was just short little bits each day. And it's amazing what you can do if you just be consistent with your practice. Yeah, and I guess that's, that's what you promote Mm, and 100%, you know yeah. the way that this this works is that it is that constant practice and discipline you know like it's it's something that's regular so even in creating the programs you were doing that as well yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly and i think that's one of the books i read at the start i didn't, I didn't mention this one before but mm. it's called the slight edge yeah by a guy called jeff olson and he talks mm. about exactly that it's just the the short little seeming insignificant things that you do every day add up over time mm. and you can achieve a lot more than you think if you just work on it every day. Yeah. So I took that philosophy into the gratitude practice and the kindness practice, the empathy practice, just mm. doing little things each day. And also, in a, I guess, in a, a business sense as well, just doing stuff each day, mm. um, particularly at the start when it was a side project, but just that consistent action. And that's what I talk about with uh, young people as well. Um, not so much primary school, but high school. Like mm. if, you wanna, if you've got a goal and you want to achieve something, you want to be something, you don't have to do it overnight. Yeah. You, you just work on it every day. Ask yourself, okay, well, if I want to get into a physiotherapy course at university, what's the first step? Okay, search how many TR points I have to get in year 12 mm. to get in there. Mm. Okay, and then, okay, what subjects do I have to do in year 12? And then just work on it and then you'll eventually yeah. get there. And if you mm. don't get enough marks, well, the world's set up these days where you can eventually get there. Yeah. But it might not happen overnight, but four or five years down the track, you'll eventually get there. Yeah, and I don't think anyone becomes a master in their craft just suddenly. No. You know, you can have obviously talent and things like that, but it is an actual ongoing practice with everything that we do, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you, I think in with athletes, like certain physical, I guess, aspects attributes, like attributes, yeah. <laughs> yes, that can uh, hold us back. But mm. if, when there's something like to achieve that, so I guess we're having a realistic goal like about starting a business or... Mm whatever it is, you can do it. Like, yeah. I, I truly believe that. Yeah, definitely. So where did property investing go? Yeah, you no, still do I, it? Or? Yeah, no, I, do. I, I did. I did it um, for, a, I, I did get a few investment properties in a short or reasonably short amount, of, about a year mm. or two back then. Mm. Uh, and then I guess I, from there I invested back into the business sort of thing. But yeah. I still got those properties which yeah. are just sitting there. Oh, amazing. <laughs> You're looking at one thing and then this road yeah, sort exactly. of opened up yeah. here. So tell me about the key components of what you do. You know, what are your sort of in your programs and the things that are facilitated with young people? Yep. What are the things that we should all know about? Mm. So it's it's based the primary school program is based mm. on what I call the five habits of happiness, which is yep. gratitude, 
kindness, empathy, positive reflection. So thinking mm-hmm. about the good things that happen, yeah. similar to that glass half full, mm-hmm. and service. So doing things for other people. Yeah. So why are they important? So for me, I, these are the skill. The, the, these are the skills I think are very important for a person to learn. Mm-hmm. And they've had a, from personal point of view, they had a massive, huge, huge impact. Mm. And the great thing about them, they're skills that can be practiced and yeah. developed. Mm. And as we know, the and the purpose of consistent practice is to make them a habit. So it's one of those things where, I guess, as a young person, we might start out tying up our shoes, and the first few times we do it, we're hopeless at it. Yeah. But and it takes practice. It takes practice. Mm. But eventually, we just get there, and we just click. So it clicks. Oh, that's how you do it. Mm. And then all the other times, we don't even think about it. We just do it. Yeah. So it's the same philosophy. If we, um. Or, Provide the opportunity for young people to practice initially. Yeah. To be grateful, to be kind, and set up activities and different exercises to do it with consistent action over time. It becomes mm. a part of who they are. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's a habit. Mm. So again, the purpose of doing it is if they are having a bad day, um, they can come from a place of being grateful to reframe and see things from a more positive point of view to help yeah. put things in perspective, but also coming from a, a place of empathy. So if you're having a bit of a disagreement with someone mm-hmm. and which often happens and that and that's okay but we can maybe just take a step back gather our thoughts and try to see it from their point of view as well yeah as a so simple, do you think that's what empathy is empathy it's a tricky one i think empathy mm. can mean a few different things i think it definitely can mean seeing something from somebody else's point of view uh that's i think that's a, a good way to look at it you might it's a tricky one because compassion and empathy it's it, Sometimes you sort of, oh, well, I feel that they can be exchanged. Yeah. And one, and, the best, go on, sorry. Sorry. No. <laughs> Some people get a little bit confused with um, sympathy as well. Yeah, you sympathy, know, like yep. that sort of, I think it gets a bit confusing about which is which yeah. um, as well. Oh, yeah. it, it does. And sometimes, and uh, do you know what was funny? Oh, it must have been a couple of years ago. Somebody asked that question in the classroom, like, mm. promise, what's the difference between sympathy and empathy? And I couldn't answer it. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, Good question. I'll, I'll get back to you. Or maybe that's, I think mm. I'm going to turn around on them and think, that's a really good <laughs> yeah. question. Yeah. Maybe you can, that's a little bit of homework you can do. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a true teacher there. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah it, was, it, it sort of stumped me, but partic- particularly between compassion and gratitude, uh, sorry, compassion and empathy, mm. the best dis- differentiation I heard was in the Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you read that book, but in it, the Dalai Lama explained the difference. And he was saying that, Say somebody walks through a door and they jam their finger in the door mm. and empathy is not understanding how they're feeling because you might have done that before and you know that that's painful. But compassion is is seeing them, them jam their finger in the door and ask them, okay, well, what can I do to help you? Yeah. So mm. that was that really resonated with me. Mm. I think they, they, they're closely related but slightly different. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a good question because empathy can mean a few different things I think to for different people yeah definitely and in the therapy space um yeah empathy is a key part yeah of it which is acknowledging and being with another yeah is how I see it yeah um and in answer to the sympathy thing that is about feeling sorry for somebody yeah. um which has a different energy to it yeah um but I think in an empowering space um empathy is really key because it's about acknowledging what that person is experiencing yep yeah uh, and I, I do this activity with oh, kids Right through, like young kids, up through to adults as well. It's called the. It was actually adapted from Simon Sinek. Yep. The start with why guy. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure that a lot of us are familiar yeah. with. <laughs> um, if you're not, watch his TED talk. Yep. Start with why. He, he talks about in his book 
another book of his, Leaders Eat Last, talk mm-hmm. about this thing called the circle of safety. Yep. So circle of safety pretty much means that everyone wants to go to work, everyone wants to go to school, and they want to feel like they belong. Mm. So I adapted that idea and created a, um, a little activity to practice that. So it's called the boundary of belonging, very similar. And mm. pretty much the key thing is that if we imagine we've got this circle, like, like a table like this, mm-hmm. and we imagine that everyone wants in our workplace or at school, everyone wants to feel like they belong, mm-hmm. they want to feel happy, they want a safe place to be. But on the outside of that circle, sometimes it doesn't happen and that could come down to being bullied or that and if we bullied, then we don't feel like we don't belong. Mm. So as individuals, what can we do to make sure that other people feel they do belong? Yeah. And that comes down to empathy. Because yeah. knowing that everyone wants to feel like they belong, I think that bullying shouldn't exist. Yeah. Because everyone it's... wants to bu- like belong. Yeah. And treating others how you want to be treated. Mm. And if you if we do that, it should it shouldn't really happen. So yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Yeah, and I think um you know, it's an innate need in us is to to feel part of something and belong as well. And then there's life experiences that get can get in the way of that and have projection and all that type of thing, mm. which is, I could talk about that forever. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, <laughs> no belonging, it's, it's an interesting one. It's sort of mm. come, I think belonging is one of the most important things for our mental well-being, like from what I understand recently. And, yeah. And loneliness is a massive issue. Yeah. Particularly oh. in the elderly, probably highlight in the elderly, elderly mm. but important for everyone like to have friends that social network as well yeah yeah definitely so what are the other components in what you um teach so we had gratitude kindness yep acts of service was it yeah, ex- yeah. About? so the way that i came into it is robert hoff who was a principal at manual primary when i was there mm. he's retired now but he, at assemblies he would consistently talk about service starts in the home mm. so having been to lutheran school and um, there was that the christian element of it of mm. it but that the service part was a big push for the school. That was one of the, the key things that um, the school would, and it still does today, um, teach. And he always said that service starts in the home. Mm. So particularly kids doing things around the house to help out. Mm. And then the next step is doing things around the school community. And then as they get older, in the wider community. But the purpose, if we start young people um, off serving the home, it's a safe and easy place to start serving, mm-hmm. whether that's doing dishes. I mean, Obviously, I guess there's a differentiation between chores that students have, kids at home have to do mm. and doing things without being asked. So if we're doing an activity in the classroom, what I get them to do is, well, actually, I always ask that question first. Who does something around the home to help out? Mm. Who gets paid to do stuff around the house? <laughs> about, probably about half of them put their hand up. Yeah. And who has to do chores? And most people put their hand up. Mm. So this is, then I explain, this is about doing things around the house without being asked. And get them to plan out maybe seven days of things they could do. Seven, yeah, seven days worth of things they could do around the house. So things like they come up with things like dishes, taking out the garbage, wiping down benches, um, taking attending the pets. Mm-hmm. And the question is, is does that take long to do those things? And no, they don't. So taking the rubbish out is just a short thing. But it's the idea is that getting to understand that serving others doesn't necessarily have to be hours and hours. It's just those short little things that can be done to help out. Yeah. So a little bit like the random acts of kindness yeah, exactly. that can sort of happen as well. Yeah. So a- as adults, yeah. how do we embrace that? How do you imp- service? Yeah. So how do we practice service? Mm. Well, I think it's a habit as well because some, some people naturally, I guess, service orientated and they go out their way of doing things and that's probably how they've been brought up. Yeah. But for me, you can definitely practice it. Like I think I was 
particularly for my um my mother was very is very service orientated. She retired mm. retired now, and she's always doing things for other people. But yeah. she was she always has done that, and I saw it. But I probably wasn't that good at it myself, particularly over the last ten years, maybe eleven years. I've been a lot better at it. Mm-hmm. Where I thought, well, okay, yes, service, and actually going back a step, service also. I've got a different perspective on it as well. So pretty much, and this is one thing that I can't remember who said it, but it's in business as well. So if you provide a service that people are willing to pay for, that's another way to look at it as well. Mm. Yes, we have service where we don't expect any return, but also we, if we provide a service that people are willing, willing to pay for, mm. then obviously we're providing a lot of service to the world that can be helpful. Yeah. In, it could be in anything you do with therapy or with technology, Mm. The podcast team here today—they're providing yeah. a service which is very valuable. Yeah. But um, so there's a couple of elements to it. Yeah, and I guess it's that thing of—I know for myself—it's giving time. So, mm. for instance, you know, if I have a year twelve research, a year twelve student who's doing their research project on art therapy, I will always make time for that yeah. interview because I want to give back. And you know, I could talk about art therapy all day. Yeah. So, yeah, it is those those acts of service as well. Yeah, mm. I think um, you, you nailed it. Like with mm. that comment allocating time yeah so one of the i guess the cycle that I, I sort of discovered so the implementation implementation cycle of um pretty much habits really yeah is that we've got to first of all we've got to allocate the time to do it and then mm. we've got to be consistent with the practice yeah and then we actually got to practice it yeah even when it's hard even when it's hard exactly <laughs> yeah but allocating the time is really important mm. and it, it can fit in with what you're doing so one thing i started to do going back oh, years ago was the coffee cup thing so if you're at a cafe, mm. just simply picking it up and just taking it back to the counter yeah. as a way of getting the habit of doing things for other people. So just a little habit like that is a good way to start. Yeah. I found that really to be helpful as a way to build that habit of doing things for other people. Mm. Seeing a bit of rubbish on the ground, just picking it up and putting the bin, yeah. even though it's not yours. Yeah. Just those little things of getting in, in the habit of serving others and doing things for other people. Yeah, so it doesn't have to or be the, environment. the big, <laughs> the big dramatic yeah, it doesn't um, thing. Have to be. It is those, those everyday actions. Let's, things that you're walking past that rubbish, you can either leave it there or pick it up. Mm. So you, it's just about making those decisions that are helpful, really, yeah. as a way to get in the habit. And then you're yeah, working towards those bigger acts of service, whether that's volunteering, if it's once a week or once a month. I um, volunteer once a month out at Kilburn Community Centre for a Fred's, Fred's Van venue, yeah, right. um, which is good fun. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit of a, it's a small impact that you make, but it's um, three hours a month and mm. getting the habit of yeah. serving others. And I guess also, you get something back from that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know when I volunteered and, and do certain things, yeah, sometimes you feel a bit guilty because you're getting more back yeah. um, from feeling good yeah, doing exactly. that in yep. the process as well. Mm. So how do we um, practice this? So a lot of people have talked about, you know, write down five things every day yeah. that you're grateful for. Yeah. What is the habit that we need to do and how does that all work? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting, interesting question because we hear about it quite often in society mm. about writing three things or five things you're grateful for. Mm. But what I found, and, and this is actually research, there's some research around this as well. So back in actually, it was a while ago now, 2015, um, with a small group of students, we, I did a research project with the University of South Australia. Yeah. Like, sorry, we did actually a big one of about 600 students, but we also did a really small one with about 10. Yeah. And we selected um, a range of grade ones to grade sixes. And they had to do certain, uh, about three things every day for about five weeks. And one of them was writing three things they were grateful for every day for five weeks. Yeah. And these were kids, mm. like six to 11. And it was an experiment, really. And 
when we when we came back to the um, for the interview process with that focus group or the focus group at the end, mm. one hundred of the kids not not together they all were interviewed separately. Hundred percent of them said they found the activity boring. Yeah, because they had to do it every day and it was, they found it hard to think of things they were grateful for and it became a bit of a chore. Yeah. Therefore, not really having the positive impact that it was designed to do. And I, it was funny because then I read a book called it was either in Positivity by Barbara Fredrickson or um, the How of Happiness by a lady called Sonia Lou Mabersky, I think her name is. Yeah. And in her research also um, discovered that it can, for adults as well, be a bit of a chore over time if we continue the habit. Of because just it becomes cliched. And yeah. 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 And, you know, I have a bit of a love-hate yeah. relationship with gratitude. I mean, I am a therapist too. So, you know, I believe we need to go to certain things sometimes and express them and explore them in order to move through them. A bit like the wheel, you know, we need to move yeah. when we're stuck. But also, I do see the benefits of it, but not when it's cliched and just a routine thing. Mm. Like you actually have to engage with it. Yeah. Is that yeah, what absolutely. you sort of see? Oh, definitely. I think having that variety, yes, three mm. things, writing three things you're grateful for is a good activity, mm. but maybe not just every day. Yeah. So it's good to have that variety. So one thing, definitely learn off that research project, not only with those small group of kids, but the whole um, major research project where we did a whole school um, of about 600, or 600 student one, is that... It's got to be have um, variety in the practice. Yeah. So whether that's a gratitude, that's gratitude, or what I call positive reflection, like a growth mindset approach, there's different ways we can practice, and it's important to have those different, um, or give the young people, or, or give adults the opportunity, or provide them different ideas of how they can practice it. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, definitely make the act or the, the learn or the, the practice of it funding fun and engaging, and it can be done in games. Like, yeah, um, a really good mate and a, I guess a colleague called Dale Sybottom. He's from Melbourne. He's all about making learning fun. Yeah. So he's created oh, not only like literacy and numeracy games that can be fun to learn, but also well-being games like yeah. gratitude games and things like that. And he's got this game called Gratitude Monopoly. Mm-hmm. Great fun game where kids get a dice, they roll um, the dice, land on obviously a number, and you've got the card set up which act as the streets, and each street has got an activity on it, which yeah. is a gratitude activity. It could be experience you are grateful for. Mm. And they write it down on their scorecard, but then also they've got to do a physical activity yeah. um, before they can roll the dice again. So it's incorporating gratitude and physical activity into the game. Yeah, it's great. a great way to practice. And then there's so many different other ways where you can, pra- like you can practice. Mm. I guess providing, particularly from a young person's point of view, in a classroom setting, given mm-hmm. the opportunity to practice. Yeah. But for adults as well, there's so many different ways we, we can practice as well rather than just writing three things you're grateful for down. Yeah. Do you have any ideas that you could share yeah. around that? So one of my favourites is called Stop, Think, Appreciate. So stop, or sorry, number one, stop part is if you're in a, at home, for example, just have a look, stop, and have a think around the room, whatever you are in the home, mm-hmm. and have a look at those things that you can be grateful for. Yeah. And that... Um, that and that appreciation part is the appreciation. So if we stop and observe and have a think about what we have in our home to be grateful for mm-hmm. and then appreciate it. So the appreciation part comes from a sticker. So if you've got a sticker label or a post-it note, the idea is to put that label on that thing that you can be grateful for in the home. Mm-hmm. For a start, to identify that for the, all these wonderful things that we do have that sometimes we take for granted, um, like a fridge yeah. to keep our food fresh. Yeah. Um, like a, a clean drinking water tap. Mm-hmm. Now, and also you leave that, the idea is to leave that post-it note or sticker there because when it catches our eye, it's just that short split-second reminder for yeah. us to be grateful for that so thing. it's like a prompt. Yeah. yeah, it's like a bit of a prompt, exactly. Yeah. And actually the idea of that activity, 
activity came off a, um, a TED talk by a guy called David Stendhal Rast. He's a mm-hmm. monk. And he spoke about going off the uh, grid on a, on a pilgrimage, I think he described it as. Mm. And it was about three months. And in his TED talk, he, he talks about coming back home and walking in the door, turning on the light. And the way he describes it, he says, oh, I've got light. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's got over to the, the faucet and he's turned the water tap on and, mm. oh, I've got water. Yeah. And he didn't have it for a long time. But because he was absent from those things, electricity and particularly uh, drinking water, clean drinking water from a, mm. from a tap, he could feel really grateful for that. Now, yes, he experienced going without, but I think still we can be grateful for those things without missing out. But sometimes yeah. we do take for granted those things. And when I heard him say that, I thought, well, that's actually a really good point. We do yeah. take these things for granted. What's a little activity we can do to practice that and remind us? And then just yeah. the idea of stop, think, appreciate came to mind. Yeah, no, that's great. And I mean, you only need the internet to go down to... To realise, oh, exactly. you know, being grateful for our connection and all the things that happen through mm. that. So it can happen on so many different levels as well. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you talked about when you discovered this, that you were like, oh, I wish I knew that when I was a young person. Yep. Um, what are the things that you wish you knew? Yeah. It's um, a good question, actually, because I just started in the last oh, probably 12 to 18 months doing a talk exactly called that, called yeah. Six, oh, I've done it six four depending on how long it is mm. <laughs> six things i wish i knew when i was your age to mm. high school students yeah and the six are gratitude empathy positive reflection mm-hmm. so thinking about the good things that happen yeah self-awareness so the way i see self-awareness is like really observing how you're feeling in the moment in the time then ownership so being responsible for what you do mm. particularly around if you're having a bad day so always ask the students okay if you're having a bit of a bad day who's the only person who can improve your mood yeah is yourself. Yeah. So we could come in and, or your teacher or yourself as a, as a therapist, we could give you some advice, but the only person who can take that on and apply it is you. Yeah. And it's that old adage too, when you point the finger, there's three fingers pointing back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so ownership is a, is a really key part. And mm. the last one is something I call the slight edge rule, yep. which I was talking about before about you don't have to do everything overnight. I think particularly in the world that this generation is growing up in, in schools, they get everything like that. Mm. Because technology is there, if they want to know an answer, they just Google it. Yeah, they don't have to. Don't have to work for it. It's well, everything's easy. instant. Isn't yeah, it? instant gratification every mm. time. So, the slot edge method is about um, if you've got a goal, if you don't achieve it the first time, mm. well, it doesn't matter. Keep persevering, and and you eventually be able to get there. Yeah. And I always say, well, we all can't be LeBron James, the best basketball player in the world, but. If you do have a realistic goal that you want to get after, there's mm. no reason why you can't do it yeah. if you put in the effort, mm. but it's going to take time. Yeah, but LeBron was um, six years old one at some point yeah, as well. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so when you think about everything that you do, what's your main messaging? Like, what do you want people to know? Mm. You know, you've obviously been on this discovery of what are these practices that we need to implement every day yep. and making them habits and yep. all of that sort of stuff. So what do you think your key message is for everyone in this busy world? And I'm going to deliberately use busy yeah, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. time. You know, why is this important? For me, uh, I think it's been able to build and protect my mental well-being. Yeah. So by practicing, like sometimes, I mean, back when I first started, back in 2010, this journey, mm. like things are pretty good in my life, like didn't really have much to complain about, things are going really well. Mm. But what I did get is that by practicing being grateful, practicing empathy, kindness, 
these are things that lead to resilience. So yeah. if we are having a bad day, what I what I understood is that, okay, there is a time when I have a bad day or go through a rough time. It's just life that's going to happen. Mm. But Because I've, life is like that. Exactly. Yeah. But now I've got the skills to call on yeah. to help during those situations because I have been practicing for those moments when if the things go don't go to plan, then I can use my reframing skills in particular mm. to come from a place of, um, of being grateful to yeah. reframe things from a more positive point of view. And three, I mean, we all missed opportunities during COVID which got cancelled or postponed mm. or things that come out. But yes, it's not, it's not saying you can't be disappointed, but it's more about, okay, well, it's happened. Mm. Let's see how we can move forward or learn from this situation or what yeah. can come of it. Yeah. When I was, I guess there was a time when, when I was younger, I would have thought it was the end of the world. But yes, you do get disappointed. But what I've been able to do now is to acknowledge that and then use my adaptive thinking skills yeah. to move forward from those situations, particularly coming from a place of being grateful. So I think the key to having a, a, a positive, I call them positive habits, positive mm. habit practice yeah. is that you're protecting yourself against those challenging times that do happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. And so I think you bring up a really valid point of this isn't just when you're not doing well. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like always. This is a practice yeah. that is so that when those adversity arises yeah. or um, events happen or we are having a pretty ordinary day or time of it that you can draw on these skills mm -hmm. to get through it. What's the difference between when like when you can't do that? Like how do you know when it's time to come and see someone like me? Mm. <laughs> and, you know, obviously the practice is still yeah. needed and required. Like, yeah. yeah it's a good question. I, I, I actually went through that situation. So I mm. went back in 2015, I went through a pretty challenging time. Yeah. I did go and see, I still do actually, see a psychologist. Yeah, I think it should be something we all do oh, all 100%. the time. 100%. Yeah. And <laughs> I think it, every, it doesn't matter if you're not going through a, a bad time. Mm. Just speaking to someone who's yeah. non-judgmental, mm. who can give you a bit of advice. But again, it's, it's it comes down to self-awareness. Yeah, I um, think that's the key to it. Yeah. It's about discovering yourself in that space yeah, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Taking ownership of it because, mm. of, again, you, you're the only person who can do it. Go to that person mm. um, and want, want help. Mm. So, yeah, I, I took myself to, oh, yeah, went through the process of Googling. I didn't have any idea, didn't mm. want anyone to know. Yeah. So I searched and um, saw a couple of recommendations of someone um, at a practice and went there and, like, yeah, the first time I sat there and, like, similar to this, really. <laughs> We won't and, make this a therapy yeah. space. <laughs> and, uh, and just like, yeah, just bald basically. Like, mm. And I didn't think that would happen, but it did. And But it helped. It was, it was a big release. And then I went back there consistently. Now, five or six, six, or five, six years on, mm. go once a quarter. Yeah. And, and that's just to have a conversation. Like it's only half an hour. Yeah. But it's really like a, a positive time that I look forward to. And it's just anything that might be on your mind that you yeah. don't feel comfortable talking about with anyone else it's a safe place to do that it's a good yeah, place definitely. to check in and um as you said i think even if you're not or you don't feel you're going through any real hardship or challenges i think mm. everyone should see yeah. someone yeah definitely and i actually would like that to be part of our culture mm. and not to be ashamed of that no. you know we all have tough times yeah. and things that happen you know i i have the skills to hold space for other mm. people but um, I need someone to hold that space for me as mm. well um, yeah, in those challenging times or just as an everyday yeah. um, thing as well. So do you remember what it felt like after the first appointment? Like, was it a yeah, release? It was, yeah, it was a bit of a relief. Or, I'm yeah. not sure what the – probably relief or release, mm. yeah. Because mm. I was a bit very nervous, like, 
going in. Because I don't know if that's a male. It might be a bit more of a male thing as well. Yeah. Like not. I think, understandably, people are nervous because yeah. like, who is this person and yeah. are they going to psychoanalyze yeah. me and do all the things? Yeah. Yeah. Because you didn't know the person. But having said that, though, I did know that that's their job. Yeah. So if if I did break down, <laughs> which I did, I knew I wouldn't be judged because that's yeah. probably a common thing. Yeah. And the reason why I went in, in there probably was a very mild thing to what. They're used to anyway, so and, and more than common. But it's not to discount your experience. No, exactly. Either. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's very. I mean, like, it was just. Yeah, but personally, it was a tough time. Mm. But then I realised. I said to myself, "This person's professional. They're here, here to help. Mm. It's a non-judgmental thing." And that helped me, I guess, through that first session. But afterwards, as I came out, yeah, I felt real. Yeah. yeah relief, and was kind of looking forward to the the next time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's good. And thank you for sharing that because I think it's really important for people to know mm. that even. When you have all the skills like we do and, you know, do this daily practice and all the stuff that happens, life still happens yeah. um, at the same time. And there's spaces that you can seek help and get what you need in it. Yeah, well. absolutely. Damn it, I just can't highlight enough. Like, it's about self-aware, like, understanding that, yes, I am going mm. through a bad time. Yeah. But taking ownership of it. I think that's a good, that's why I always talk about it to young, young people. They, they, um, they work together. So self-awareness mm. and then ownership. I mean, yep. self-awareness is understanding your, your strengths and your weaknesses as well. Yep. But the context that I talk about self-awareness mm. is, is is like if I'm having a bad day, being aware that I'm not in a good mood, mm. but it's up to me to do something about and what it. what do I need to do yeah. with that? And yeah. having your go-to things, like for me, exercise and gratitude's my go-to, yep. but that works for me, but it might not work mm. for you. Yeah, so it's for me, it's doing an, an art process yeah. and you know, not really into the exercise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's different things that exactly. um, really help people or... I know I need to connect with somebody and just go for a coffee. Yep, hundred um, percent, and, and not stay isolated. Yep, yeah, and you just discover what works for you, mm. um, and that's it. And that's what I always try to. Um, if it's adults, I do it like if I do a staff session with teachers or mm. um, workplaces. Yeah, it's always about I do that activity with them because mm. I think it's really important that because a lot of people don't have that go-to thing that helps them. Yeah. Or we sort of know what we should do, but they don't do it. But we need reminders <laughs> yeah. and constantly come back and yeah, revisit it as yeah, well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So before we finish up, is there one piece of advice that you would like to give people? Or what do you want the world to know? I think um, the, the, all my, my message all the time is these are skills that can be practiced. Yeah. And I'd strongly recommend finding a practice. Whether, mm. yes, we spoke about um, writing three things you're grateful down each day can be boring over time, but it's a yeah. good place to start. Yes. And then once you, I think once you get in those habits of actually doing that's the main, most important mm. thing to get in the routine of. So what I'll go back a step. So what I... I think is good to do is choose like um, a, over a week. Doesn't have to be a gratitude activity, but a positive habit that you can do. So yeah. one might be writing three things you're grateful for. Second day, it might be writing down your best part about your day at yeah. the end of the day. Third one could be doing an act of kindness, like a planned act of kindness. We hear about random acts of kindness, but you can do a planned one where you, okay, this is what I'm going to do today. I'm yeah. going to, uh, just an easy example, buy someone a coffee yeah, kind of thing. Another one could be, I'm going to do 10 minutes of an app a breathing exercise or mm. meditation type thing. Yeah. But they're all positive habits. Yeah. And I think it's have, good to have that variety and they all work together to build those positive habits. Yeah, definitely. So basically the message is that try to find or plan out seven days to start with to get start a habit of doing it. Obviously, seven days isn't necessarily going to build that habit, but mm. if you can get through seven days of doing it. You can get through 14. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not like that hard because th those things don't take hours. They're just short little things that, Yes, you do need a conscious effort to start with, mm -hmm. but once you get in that routine, you might find that it's the best thing. I love it in the morning. My 
best part about the day is the morning because I do that routine. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's about making these daily things that actually over time yeah. have a huge impact. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So if people wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, the website is growing, or I've got a couple of websites, growinggratitude.com.au, mm-hmm. and I've got a personal one of ashmanual.com.au. Yep. Great. And, yeah, info at growingwithgratitude.com.au is my email, and that yeah. comes straight through to me. Yeah, great. I've really enjoyed talking about gratitude and everything that you do and a timely reminder about that daily practice and I'm having the positive mindset and seeing how you work through things and you talked about the wheel and moving um, through life so thank you for sharing everything with us today. No worries Belle, thanks for having me. For show notes and more information about my guests and to get in touch with me visit igniteartherapies.com.au